Hello, you beautiful fucking probers. Howdy, howdy. Thank you for joining us for another week of extraterrestrial investigation. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to another episode of But It Was Aliens. My name is Moonwalker, and I'm lead investigator for this case. And I'm joined, as always, by old Grey Chops himself, Greybeard. How are you today, son? Grey Chops? Yep. What does that even mean? As in mutton chops. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, okay. I like how you started your one with a swearing bonanza for a change. Usually you save that for my episodes only. Well, you know, thought I'd mix it up a bit. Wrap up warm, probers. We're going to Russia. Ooh. The year is 1908. Ooh. And we're at a sparsely populated area of Russia known as the Eastern Siberia Tiger. Tiger? I'm sure it's tiger. Or taiga. Teeming with trees, forestry and wildlife, and being sparsely populated, not a lot of people. It's just gone 7am, and I'm assuming it's cold enough to freeze the nipples off a brass monkey. (laughs) Picture if you will, Greybeard. (laughs) I don't want to picture that. (laughs) (laughs) You've just woken up, left your other half in bed, and gone to relieve yourself in the little house. When you say relieve myself... I was about to say, in the little outhouse. How do you mean relieve myself? Empty your bowels, empty your bladder. Number one, number two, number three. Whichever one you prefer right now. I'm going for number onesies. Okay. As you step outside, something catches your eye. You look up and you see a bluish light travelling across the sky. There's something about it. You can't take your eyes off it. It's as bright as the sun. You watch this thing for roughly ten minutes. You turn to continue with relieving yourself... (coughs) When you hear an explosion, seconds before you're knocked off your feet by the blast, what do you do? Am I in 1908 at this point? You're in 1908 at this point. I shit my pants. Fortunately, I'm in the bathroom and I'm ready to go. (laughs) For some... I'm I'm thinking Mm. it's 1908. I suppose it's not going to be missiles. I'm trying to think if there's any sort of military explanation, like a war declaration... That could explain this. Already? <laughs> You're trying to figure out what it oh, is no, I'm already? Th- I'm putting myself in 1908. I'm thinking, it's oh, me. Okay. It's me in the bathroom. I see that. I get knocked to the floor. What am I going to do in 1908? Shit yourself? Yeah, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> There's no other explanation. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. For some Ivenki natives and Russian settlers northwest of Lake Baikai, this is exactly what happened. They shit themselves. Except they were just outside (laughs) observing and didn't crap their pants. Oh, me neither. (laughs) Along with knocking them off their feet, it also broke windows too. To tell the truth, they may have quickly got up, changed pants and returned outside. So who knows if they actually did crap their pants. You're not going to want to say that you were there and crapped your pants. So if anybody sees me in the gym and I'm collapsed... Add more weight to the bar before calling the police <laughs> or the ambulance. I thought you were going to say change my pants. <laughs> so if it's an extra two minutes and I die, that's fine. Just change my pants. <laughs> to be fair. If I was squatting, I'd, yeah, do that. I'd want the same thing. <laughs> if I like, had a stroke or something and I crapped myself... Change my clothes. Yeah, just change my clothes. trousers before you call emergency services or call them, but then change my clothes. 
Don't wait. <laughs> I don't want to be on the newspapers with poop running down my leg or whatever. That would be funny. No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Was this a civilised area? In terms... Were there lots of buildings? Was it, like, urban or was it rural? I would say probably not that many. Sparse. Very few people. So I'd say they were probably living, 1908, in, like, wooden huts at the time. So they're unlikely to have windows? Might have had windows. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm thinking, when I say wooden huts, I'm thinking of, like, Small cabins. Yeah. So we've got a lot of witnesses, potentially. However many people were there. Sparsely populated. I've made the assumption when you said Russian settlers that that's quite a lot because you don't tend to get like one or two. You get several. I reckon you're going to have more than 20. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking. There was an explosion. Of course, people would be knocked over and windows destroyed by the blast waves. Well, what if I told you that this explosion, the epicenter of it all, was 400 miles away? Hot damn. I'm unsure if the Evenki were 400 miles away, but couldn't pinpoint that info. But there are reports of people 400 miles away from the blast being knocked off their feet. That's a big blast. So let me put this into perspective for you. Thank you. London to Edinburgh is 332 miles. If this thing went off in Washington, D.C., you would feel the blast in these following cities. Columbus, Hartford, Boston, Albany, Providence, Ohio, Rhode Island, and possibly New Hampshire, South Carolina, Concord, and Columbia. That will make much more sense to our American listeners, hopefully. So London to Scotland. <laughs> Further. Add another 70-odd miles. Okay, the perspective I'd like. Um, the nuclear bombs of World War II. How far away did they have an effect? This is information I should know, but I cannot recollect at this moment. I don't know. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I don't have anything on me to Google. The explosion registered. <laughs> The explosion registered at seismic stations in multiple parts of the world. The UK, Croatia, Germany, Denmark. I want to say Batvia. <laughs> where the hell is or Batvia? Batavia. I don't know where that is um, either, to be honest. Which was the capital of the Dutch oh. East Indies. And it also registered in Washington, D.C. This is a big-ass blast in 1908. The blast itself produced 186 times. I'm going to. I'm going to repeat myself here for clarity. The blast itself produced at least 186 times more energy than Hiroshima. Hot damn. That's kind of what I was getting at a second ago. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Hot damn. The next few weeks, the night sky over Russia and Europe was so bright that you'd be able to read a book outside as if it was day. The night sky? Mm-hmm. What the hell? For a few weeks? Yep. What the hell? And also, this thing flattened 80 million trees. Yeah, but the, the sky was bright at night. What the hell? Here are some pictures of the destruction and what it looked like several years after. 
That's some destruction right there. Look, that, there's that quite used, a few pictures. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at some pictures of basically what used to be a forest whereby the trees are now all laying horizontal and appear to have been stripped of leaves as well, possibly. Though it could just be the time of year. That's And now I'm looking at an aerial shot from above in what I assume is more modern times as the picture is colour. And there's just a big, massive, circular clearing. It's hard to ascertain quite how large that, that clearing, clearing is. is. Yeah, that, yeah, that's very difficult to make out because the fact this thing registered 400 miles away, you'd assume that's a pretty large epicentre. Okay. Yeah, that's a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Screw the Manhattan Project. <laughs> Russia sorted this shit. Well, I don't want to say sorted, actually. It's not the best... Creation we've ever made, is it? Russia made this shit in 1908. So what I'm about to tell you is an eyewitness account taken from the Siberian Life newspaper, courtesy of Wikipedia. Nice. The peasants saw to the northwest rather high above the horizon some strange, bright, bluish-white heavenly body. <laughs> okay. Which for 10 minutes moved downwards. The body appeared as a pipe, i.e., a cylinder. The sky was cloudless, only a small dark cloud was observed in the general direction of the bright body. It was hot and dry as the body neared the ground. The bright body seemed to smudge and then turned into a giant billow of black smoke and a loud knocking, which wasn't thunder was heard as if large stones were falling or artillery was fired. All buildings shook. At the same time, the clouds began emitting flames of uncertain shapes. And that is taken from an eyewitness account. Must have been more than 400 miles away. Otherwise their ass would be toast. Wouldn't you agree that cigars are also cylinder-shaped? I would... So is Uamuamua, remember that? I do indeed. Yeah. And so are caterpillars. And... <laughs> giant caterpillar! <laughs> if a caterpillar was giant, that would be scary as shit. Indeed it would. And within another probe, didn't we touch on the fact that cigar-shaped UFOs may in fact be motherships? We may have. Consider the size of the blast and damage caused. Could it be possible... That a mothership crash landed. Could it be possible? Yes. However, the fact that this thing has blown up potentially in the atmosphere by the sounds of it. So there was a big boom and then lots of knocking was heard as if large stones were falling. Mm. I'm suggesting that that ain't a crash. <laughs> that mother cracker has flown to the earth without realising that the earth has an atmosphere and they've burnt their shit up. Possible. It wasn't until 1921 that an investigation was conducted. That's, whoa, 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 whoa. That's 13 years later. Mainly due to the fact that being such a desolate place, it was hard to get to. But people saw it, supposedly. Did indeed. Or did they? A survey was conducted for the Soviet Academy of Sciences. And our survey says... By Russian mineralogist... Is that Leonard or Leonard? I should really look this shit up before Leonid I... Leonid sounds correct. I'm going to call him Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, Leonard, but you're Leonard now. So Leonard Kulik. I'd have just called him Mr. Kulik or Miss Kulik. Nah, I'd change their names. Do you? I give if I the can't names, pronounce it. I give them names if they don't have names. In terms of I cannot pronounce what that is, so I'm just uh, going to call him Leonard. Not change them completely uh, okay, to yeah. his name was Kevin. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I never do that either. Kulik didn't go to the site, but spoke to locals. From these conversations, he concluded that it must have been caused by a meteorite impact. Mm-hmm. After getting the government to fund an expedition to the impact site in 1927, he finally made that trip. He hired Ivenki hunters to help him get to the epicenter, and what he found once he got there surprised even him. Roughly eight kilometers were trees scorched and branches ripped off, but what was different about these trees to the ones I showed you in the pictures is that these trees were upright. Okay. And it was in the epicenter. Whereas outside of this area, the trees were flattened away from the center, but there was no debris from a crash. So again, that would suggest that something exploded in the air because the blast waves would have spread out as it exploded. And so therefore things further away would have been hit more as the power was generating and expanding. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. This motherfucking alien joyride I fucked up. In the 60s, a shape was spotted within the area of destruction. Its shape resembled a gigantic spread eagle butterfly with a wingspan of 70 kilometers. That's 43 miles. And a body length of 55 kilometers, 34 miles. It's been said in the past that things are drip fed to, drip fed to society to get them used to something. You yourself, Greybeard, have said that upon seeing an alien, you would start a podcast talking about aliens to start to familiarise people to the notion before revealing it. Taking that out of context slightly, that makes me sound a bit loopy. <laughs> now people who are just listening to this for the first time about, oh shit, he's seen an alien! What a fucking weirdo! Maybe you have, this is uh, your way of getting everyone used to it. Also, you mentioned Spread Eagle... I've watched Vikings recently and I've just got Blood Eagle in my head. That's not a pretty image. <laughs> Is this the imprint left by a living kaiju? The cigar-shaped object was a cocoon heading to Earth. And this kaiju is maybe one that possibly escaped or was just looking for somewhere to lay dormant, gestating before finally spreading its wings. During this same time, Kulik found several potholes each 10 to 50 meters in diameter. He initially thought these were meteorotic. Meteorotic? Sounds erotic. It's <laughs> <laughs> a new type of porn. Gravel's favorite. Meteoric craters. But he didn't have the means to investigate at the time. But could what have landed made its way underground and used these holes as air holes? Can I just ask, um, what was a kaiju again? Godzilla. And all the creatures from Oh, uh, like Mothra style. Yes. Yeah. During the next 10 years, Kulik made three more trips and had the means to excavate. It took time, but when he got to the bottom of this particular bog, they only found a tree stump. Used for sustenance, maybe? So here is a picture of what they saw. That spread eagle butterfly. That's just a blob. <laughs> a butterfly. It's literally a blob. It's a geographic 
survey blob. <laughs> if that was a Pokemon, that would be Grimer. There's wings. There is not wings. If there's wings, then it's got there's one, an two, three, four, five wings. An antenna? Where the hell are you seeing an antenna? At the top, that looks like a horn, but it's an antenna. <laughs> okay, I literally can't describe this picture because it is quite literally a map with some swirls a outlined butterfly. in it. <laughs> it looks nothing like a butterfly, I swear to you. <laughs> it looks like someone has spilt some ice cream on the floor and it's melted. It's a butterfly. <laughs> no, it's not. And I started laughing as um you were talking a second ago because i was just putting that all together in my mind and trying to visualize the theory you're coming up with here basically mothra <laughs> shot in a tube to earth cocoon shot in a, sorry a cocoon and then popped out basically <laughs> where the hell did mothra come from what if it wasn't mothra would you like to scroll for me <laughs> Do you know what? I was literally going to say Butterfree <laughs> I went with Mothra because that's what we've been talking about But I had Butterfree in my head the whole time <laughs> It looks nothing like Butterfree <laughs> When I mentioned it looked like Grimer Because <laughs> I was thinking Butterfree and it doesn't look like it uh, If you like uh, to scroll again What the hell is that? That's Mothra Oh is it? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty almost similar looking picture to the uh <laughs> that's not what i was gonna say first one i was gonna say it's quite almost abstract like it's hard to make out it's how got neon you, wings how are you struggling to make that oh, i can see it don't get me wrong just it's oh, i can't think of the type of art that it is it's almost like a charcoal image i forget what they're called no it's really not look you <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you want me to believe <laughs> that... I don't want you to believe. I want you to remember that it could be a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to believe that it's a possibility that Mothra, or Butterfree, came to Earth in a cocoon, exploded above the Earth, and laid... Hold on, how big are you saying that they are? What I want you to believe is that Caterpie... <laughs> Is it Caterpie? Metapod. Yeah. Came to the earth. Landed <laughs> in the ground. And was 43 miles wide. A giant Metapod. Crikey. My gosh. <laughs> right, I'm in. It frustrates me they took so long to investigate this. It was a long time after, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, if they think something. If they would have got there quicker, they maybe could have caught a glimpse of Butterfree leaving. <laughs> And where did Butterfree go? I don't know, back into space. How? His cocoon was destroyed. Who said Butterfree can't fly in space? It's an alien. Doesn't it need to breathe and eat? Who says it can't eat in space? Okay, breathe. Who says it can't breathe? How can it breathe in space? There's nothing to breathe. But there's nothing. Space is empty space. Maybe in its little sacks. Does it have sacks? It it carries (laughs) an airbag. I don't know. Just doesn't need oxygen. It can breathe in space. And there's nothing to breathe. <laughs> doesn't need to breathe in space. It holds its breath for well to be fair, if it's 
43 miles large that can probably hold a fair bit of air although i'm sure there'd be something going on with the pressure if it had all that air in it flying in space and it would blow up anyway spreads to its wings pardon like a circulation yeah <laughs> right i feel like you could have come up with a more convincing story <laughs> than butter free <laughs> but it wouldn't have been as fun uh, Greybeard. What I'd like you to do is explain what you see in the following picture. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, what I'm looking at is a helicopter over the, what I'm assuming is the ocean, and it could be a large lake. Regardless, it's kind of like what I explained earlier, actually, whereby directly below the helicopter is like a clearing, and then further out below the helicopter, um, the force is generating lots of waves, Almost like the trees that are being knocked down in the previous discussion further away. Precisely. Now, we have technology that can form this type of pattern, correct? You've just explained. We do, yes. What if what fell from the skies was a vehicle in distress? Not a human one, but one from another world entirely. Well, that distress did not end well. We have vehicles and technology that can be affected by malfunctions or even bursts from an electromagnetic pulse. And once out of range, or the intermittent malfunction subsides, control is handed back over to the driver. Could it be possible that the same thing happened here? Outside of our atmosphere, there was a battle going on. Or maybe not a battle, but a ship was trying to escape from some pursuers. They got hit with an EMP burst or something similar and fell into our atmosphere. Now, they didn't crash. Control was handed back over before the impact. And they managed to steady the craft before putting the boosters back on and shooting back out of our atmosphere. That's not to say that they landed unscathed. Remember, there was broken trees that had charred branches and the stumps remained. So the craft hit something. In 2004, an expedition by members of the Tunguska Space Phenomenon found blocks of an extraterrestrial technical device. No. Which could just be parts of the craft or something similar to a black box found in an aircraft. Say what? Why have I not heard of that before? Who the hell are the Tunguska Space Phenomenon? TSP. <laughs> How long have they been around? Who knows? Where were they in 1908? Okay, so if something managed to stabilise itself and shoot back out back into space, why is there an extraterrestrial technical device left behind? Like I said, they hit. And lost the their trees. black box? Maybe. I find that highly unlikely. How, if that is the case, how do you explain the rocks falling as it was described earlier? Bits of debris, maybe the rattling of the ship as it entered. So bits were falling off this ship. If a car shakes... I'm saying that ship was screwed, whatever. If a car shakes, you're going to hear rattles. It's not going to be... But the ship was gone. No, I mean, as it entered the atmosphere. Yeah, but didn't they say there was a big flash, like a boom of thunder, and then it sounded like rocks falling? No, there was falling. no thunder. Okay, there was a lack of boom like thunder, but <laughs> they heard rocks falling. Sounded like rocks falling. Yeah, but they couldn't see anything. Maybe things in the craft were knocking about. But the craft was gone. Because if that flash was the craft flying back off, but then they heard no, the sounds after. No, it was on the way down. Yeah, but they, the witness couldn't see anything. They saw the flash and that was it. They didn't see a craft. Therefore, the craft had they to have been gone pretty quick. Object. And, and then, then it went. smoke and fire. And then nothing. And the sounds. Didn't the sounds then, come after the no. flash? Yeah. You've lost me. <laughs> Where have you <laughs> got the flash if, and them going up? 
if there was a flash, I'm thinking that was them flying away. No. And then that was that blowing up. That could have been the explosion, them going back up. They ain't going back up. There was an explosion. The thrusters. No, they're dead. <laughs> now we're going to take a look at some more outlandish explanations. More outlandish. <laughs> oh, no. The most outlandish of these is that the explosion was caused by an airburst of an asteroid. The most outlandish. Son of a bitch. Six to ten kilometers above the Earth's surface. Meteorites enter our atmosphere every day, but generally burn up or explode before they reach the ground due to ram pressure, Mm -hmm. which is the heat generated by the compression of air at the front, which is huge considering the speeds these things can reach up to. 160,000 miles per hour, 72 kilometers per second. Scientific estimations of the burst are around 10 to 30 megatons of TNT, and that's from an airburst. When I mentioned earlier that it was 186 times that of Hiroshima, it would seem that these were merely estimates, and that recent calculations that if this was a 15 megaton explosion, then it would have been a thousand times that of Hiroshima and would have mirrored the US Castle Bravo nuclear test from 1954, which measured 15.2 megatons and one third of the Soviet Union's Tsar bomber test in 1961. Nukes ain't fun, kids. Crikey. And below I have a picture of different nuke tests for you there. So you can see literally how crazy we are getting with nuclear bombs okay did you say how far it was up in the sky um when it exploded or yeah no it doesn't say uh, yeah i'm just thinking that would be reverse wouldn't it if that happened in the sky then it would shoot down hmm damn you're trying to see that little bit in the picture yeah it's the red bull the man who sky yeah and the sar bomber reaches higher than that I've never even heard of the Saar bomber. Neither had I until this. Is that the biggest test ever done, or is there being bigger? I think it's the biggest test that's been done to date, but I think there's a Saar bomber too. Okay. Red or something. But I think they literally have another. So the cloud of the Saar bomber reached between 40 and 45,000 metres into the air. Mm-hmm. Therefore... This explosion in the sky in 1908 must have been about 45,000 metres plus to only knock down all the trees and whatnot, but not actually destroy them. Possible. Outlandish. (laughs) With the technology that we have nowadays, it's noted that nuclear weapon-sized airbursts occur regularly outside of our atmosphere. Eugene Shoemaker. Shoemaker? I don't remember seeing the name Shoemaker, and I wonder if my laptop auto-corrected and I didn't realise. Mine does do that sometimes. Um, I'm going to stick with Shoemaker. So, Eugene Shoemaker estimated, although I don't know when he did, that 20 kiloton events happen annually, and Tunguska-sized events happen every 300 years. However, more recent research suggests that Tunguska-sized events happen every 1,000 years, and a 5 kiloton event happens about once a year. The biggest to have been observed with modern technology was a 500 kiloton burst in 2013 
which shattered windows and produced meteorites. The Tunguska one didn't produce meteorites. <laughs> Just saying. Did it not? Is that not what the sound of those rocks could have been? Meteorites falling? They never found them. They found extraterrestrial tech. That yeah. could have just been a meteorite, couldn't it? Tech. Do we have any more information on that Rock. tech they found? No. <laughs> Slight flaw there. So these things are semi-regular. Do we have evidence of any others that you know of? Not that I know of. Okay. So these 1,000-year events, are they all explosions in the atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then we get hit by proper ones every what, few million years or something. Do you reckon it's possible that an extraterrestrial species is just peppering us for fun? They're like <laughs> playing bowling. Possibly. Every and now and then one gets a strike. space alley and it just like, <laughs> when it goes out of bounds, that's what's hitting us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to hit the earth, guy! <laughs> A British astronomer by the name of F.J.W. Whipple... Mr. Made, Whipple. ...made the suggestion that it was a comet which had caused the destruction. See? These are so outlandish. <laughs> Composed of dust, water, ice and frozen gases, it suggested that it made impact, but because of what it's composed of, it vaporised upon entering our atmosphere. This became a general consensus among the investigators by 1960. However, this theory was criticised in 1983 by an astronomer, Zelenik Sikinia, when he explained that a comet travelling through the atmosphere should have evaporated along a shallow trajectory, but it didn't. It remained intact into the lower atmosphere. Hmm. It was further helped by a study in 2001 that concluded that it was more likely that this was an asteroid with a stony body, or at least the penetrating part of this body was stone was stone-like in nature, which allowed it to stay intact into our atmosphere. However, if that was the case, there should have been a crater at the impact site. But we have none. But then a stone could have blown up in the sky, couldn't it? Or a cocoon could have burrowed <laughs> in the ground? It wasn't Mothra. <laughs> February 13th, 2013, a similar event occurred in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> An asteroid measuring around 17 to 20 metres across and weighing roughly 11,000 tonnes exploded causing a small airburst with an energy release of around 500 kilotons. This event inflicted over 1,200 injuries, most of which resulted from shattered glass from windows. I remember reading about that in the news actually. Why is it always Russia getting peppered? I know, right? Is it something to do with the fact that they're a large landmass and the angle at which they're situated? I don't know. Not a clue. Just thinking like, uh, I suppose it wouldn't make a difference with an asteroid. I was thinking of um, the magnetosphere. Hmm. So this has happened again. (laughs) Second coming of Mothra. Mothra, yeah. (laughs) Mothra's been twice. Definitely Mothra. Definitely can't be an asteroid. Mothra. <laughs> exactly. So to summarise, we have Greybeard picturing a light travelling across the sky whilst he goes to the toilet and poops his pants. There's an explosion and before he's knocked off his feet by the shockwave, he poops his pants again. <laughs> what? <laughs> 80 million trees were flattened outwards from I said one it's point. number one, not number two. Where in the centre, stumps... You said stump. you'd be sitting down. 
So do you sit down to go number one? Did I? Yeah. When did I say that? You said that? you'd poop your pants because you'd already be on the toilet. That so wouldn't matter. Yeah, but I did say I was sitting down. What if I poop standing up? Mm? Did you think of that? Mm? Great bit of poop standing have, up. Have a little shake. See where it lands. Up. <laughs> so I will say it again. Don't use the toilet. 80 million, <laughs> 80 million trees were flattened outwards from one point where in the centre stumps remained. We have eyewitness accounts, which were gathered by Kulik, and then followed up by an expedition. The butterfly pattern, the result of an awakening kaiju, the possibility of a craft being knocked into our atmosphere before recovering and leaving again, and the notion that it could have been either a comet or asteroid. The notion. <laughs> if you don't say that it's Mothra, I'm going to be very disappointed on this one. Yeah, to be fair, as soon as you said 1908 at the start, I was quite aware as what this one was going to be. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Tunguska. Very, very well known to have been an asteroid. Mofra. <laughs> Less well known to have been Mofra, but certainly a very Doesn't mean it's not true. A very credible theory from Mr. Moonwalker here. <laughs> do you want me to conclude? Do I need to conclude? I'm not saying For the listeners you do. <laughs> I'm not saying that it was aliens. I'm not saying that it was Mofra. I'm not saying that it was Butterfree. <laughs> <laughs> There's no butt coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, this clearly isn't aliens. It's Mofra. <laughs> <laughs> Is Mofra not an alien? Especially if Mofra came to That's Earth true. in a cocoon. It was aliens. It was Mofra. That is all for today's Wait, episode. You, <laughs> you're really going to sit on it was Mofra. <laughs> no, this wasn't aliens. <laughs> this was clearly an asteroid. And an airburst. One of the most famous asteroids to have ever hit the However Earth, outlandish that notion is, I'm going with that. That is all for today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. We'd really appreciate it. You lovely bastards. As we try to make this podcast the number one alien podcast in the world. You can find us on our socials, Instagram at But It Was Aliens Podcast, on Twitter. On the Twitter at But It Was Aliens and on Facebook But It Was Aliens or within our Facebook group Extraterrestrial Towers. Have you ever stared in the mirror and tried to outwit your reflection? Yes. Have you ever stared in the mirror and been outwitted by your reflection? No. Remember, the truth is not only up there but also staring at you in the mirror. I'm the truth. Hash tag pro.